you will always be driving for something better in your work. But just because you will improve does not mean you shouldn't release some work now. If you're a painter, you might think, well, my painting skills aren't that great. I'm not going to show it to people. So I'm not going to paint. Yeah, I'm not going to paint. You're, no, <laughs> you should paint and you should show it to people yeah. and they can. It doesn't matter how good it is because you know you will get better. And the only way you will get better is by releasing whatever it is, showing people exactly. your art. But don't be afraid exactly. to release something even though you know you're going to get better. In this episode, I'm here with Noah Heiss and Leif Jensen, the hosts of Anything Cameras, a YouTube channel and brand dedicated to helping you develop and improve your filmmaking and photography skills, and uh, anything else to do with cameras, as the name suggests. They're also the creators of a video course called From Recording to Uploading, which we talk about later in the show. Now, what's so incredible about these two is the amount of talent, confidence, and skill that they've amassed for their ages. Noah is 16 years old, 16, and Leaf is 18. Now don't let their ages distract you because their work is on par with the greatest out there. And they're on a mission to share what they know with you. These two really inspire me because they're doing exactly what I wanted to do at their age, but didn't due to my own insecurities, apprehension, and lack of confidence. Here I am several years later doing it, but I could have started a long time ago. Today we talk about how to overcome those hurdles so you don't make the same mistakes that I did. We also talk about the first steps that you need to take in order to make your first videos for YouTube or whatever video it is that you're trying to make. If you don't already know, I'm David Hawkins and I'm here to help you develop and perfect your creative skills with audiovisual production by sharing the experiences of experts and friends in the industry. If you're feeling fancy, follow AV Peers on Instagram, Twitter, etc. at AV Peers to get updates on everything we've got going on. Also, I want to hear from you. What would you like to hear us discuss on the show? What are your concerns, your struggles, your curiosities, etc. about music and video production, about photography, about creativity in general? Hit me up on Instagram or email your questions to david at avpeers.com and we'll answer them on the show. Is there anyone you'd like to see come on the show? At tag us both on Twitter and let's make it occur. Remember, we're all friends here. Anywho, without further ado, let's start the episode. Welcome to the AV Peers Audiovisual Production Podcast with David Hawkins, where we team up with industry professionals to help you bring your creative skills to the next level. What's up, you creative human folk creatures? David here from avpeers.com, and this is session five of the podcast. I'm here with Noah Heiss and Leif Jensen, founders of Anything Cameras. Tell me about yourself. Who are you guys, and uh, how did y'all get involved in video, filmmaking, photography, and uh, tell us a little bit about how Anything Cameras got started. Do I go first? You want to go first, Leif? <laughs> sure, I'll go first. All right. going to happen. You so, go first. <laughs> uh, I'm Leif Jensen, currently stuck at college, but I am a filmmaker, YouTuber, and I'm the good looking one on the channel, the charismatic one, the one that adds the pizzazz, oh, wow. the flair. Um, I'm the face <laughs> of the operation. Uh, no, just kidding. Noah's a great ho- co-host. It's a lot of fun to work with him. And we have a ton of fun on YouTube sharing our skills and trying to educate people. I got into video making when I was really young. Always had an interest in it. And so, you know, I just grabbed my family's uh, video camera that, you know, we used to shoot family videos. And Mm -hmm. I started making little films. uh, And 
that eventually got me more into some photography too, but still mainly focusing on video. And I got, I got improved camera equipment, you know, bought a 2012 Canon mirrorless camera. And I just, I started posting on YouTube a little bit. Those videos were absolutely terrible, but I, you know, just kept going at it and learning and learning and, um, make, I've made hundreds and hundreds of videos at this point, a lot of them bad, but you know, we got to start somewhere. We got to learn. And that's how I did it. Just doing it hundreds of times. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, those videos weren't terrible to us at the time because we were just starting out. And though they may seem terrible to other people or to us now, they were amazing. And we were super proud of them back then. Oh, yeah. Very proud. And, you know, I've been friends with Noah for a decade now. Um, a little more and than, right? He, yeah, a little Marching over a decade years. now. Yeah, something like that. It's a little crazy. Um and he was getting into photography and YouTube. And so we started posting YouTube videos together and filming for each other's channels. And that's how we started kind of doing a lot of the YouTube work and collaboration on YouTube. Uh, so, no, if you want to tell your story, nice, take nice. the YouTube adventure from there. Thanks. I'm Noah. I'm the manager, the founder, the editor, uh, the co-host for the YouTube channel, Anything Cameras. Leaf is currently off at college, so he can tell you about that. Um, But I'm the main photo guy, though I do dabble in video quite a bit myself and have learned a lot from Leaf. And so on our channel, we just try to educate you all on photo and video. About seven years ago is when we both started posting on YouTube. And before that, as you said, we made like family videos together, uh, including short films with our siblings. Those were (laughs) pretty interesting. Uh, About seven years ago, we both had some type of pretty crappy camera. And we just shot videos on it and posted them on YouTube. I remember on my first channel, which I called NBH The Ninja, One of the things I posted, I posted whatever I wanted to, but one of the things I posted was this, like, I don't even know what to call it, like, short film series. This was, like, at the very start of my channel. And it was, it was a series of videos, and basically I played this hero. I was the only character. I was the only character, and I played this hero, and I went around and fought monsters, except I didn't have anything to be the monster or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Just just a 12-year-old kid on camera, awkwardly talking to himself and fighting the air with a plastic sword or something. Um, But as as we said, you have to start somewhere. So eventually, uh, almost three years ago, Actually, a little more than three years ago is when I got like my first camera upgrade, and this was a Lumix GF2 from 2011, and it cost me, I don't know, maybe $70, um, and then $30 for a used lens, and it was pretty not great. It shot 1080i video that uh, interlaced. <laughs> um, wow. And uh, the autofocus was basically non-existent, so a lot of the time my shots were out of focus. But around that time, uh, I also started juggling, and so Leaf and I made these juggling videos using his camera um, and mine. And then, approaching three years ago, is when we started Anything Cameras. And by that time, I had kind of accidentally gotten into photography because the Sulmix GF2 also had the ability to take photos. So by that point, I thought that my photo and our video knowledge was enough 
to start educating people on the very basics, which it was, even if uh, we weren't very clear about how we presented this knowledge and the videos were pretty terrible still. We started Anything Cameras. At that time, um, we named it 60 Second Shutter Speed, which is just a mouthful. So uh, we ended up scrapping that. Then we just kind of went from there, and now we're almost at 140 subscribers, which, you know, isn't that many, especially after almost three years. But a lot of that, almost 70% of that, has been in the last five months. So that's kind of encouraging. And of course, that's really cool. now we've uh, even launched an online course all about YouTube production quality and making better YouTube videos, which we're now able to do after seven years of YouTube. Yeah, that's really cool. And we'll, we'll talk more about that course later because mm -hmm. I want I want to get into that a little bit deeper. Sure. But how would you describe you two as, as people like personality wise? How would you describe yourselves? <laughs> Generally, um, I kind of give off a pretty uh, charismatic attitude. I mean. I'm a lot like that in uh, reality. It's just when you turn on a camera in front of me, you know, I'm on video, I'm on stage, something clicks, I'm in the zone and I'm able to really channel a very confident attitude. And you'll see this in our old videos where I was like overly confident in these terrible YouTube videos. And <laughs> I, I think it helped, you know, having confidence definitely does help in front of a screen, uh, on stage, yeah. you know, even in an audio recording. And so on our channel, especially that's always been my sort of personality, pretty outgoing, charismatic, kind of cocky at some points. Um, I do have to say, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I think, it, I think it does have its place and I think it does have its benefits but I'll hand it over to you, Noah, so you can describe your, your image on the channel. Well, off the channel, I would probably describe myself as a socially awkward person who um, <laughs> drops a lot of things and stumbles a lot, especially on his words. However, after all these years on YouTube, I have become quite comfortable on camera or in front of a microphone and even on stage because Leaf and I have taken some theater classes so I'm able to kind of channel Leaf's confidence in a way, even though he's off at college now. And now very much enjoy being in front of the camera uh, or a microphone or on stage, as I said. I have to say, when it comes to the two of us in our videos, I think Noah is a little bit more of the uh, the technical, uh, how it, like the more geek person. Nerdy. I'm, like, I'm extremely nerdy. nerdy. Yeah, yeah, the, the more nerdy person. And then I'm more like the... How would I describe this? I'm not quite, I mean, I'm definitely a nerd. There is no question. <laughs> but uh, on the camera, I definitely don't portray that as much. I think a little more artistic rather than quite so science-based like Noah is. Okay, and I, I, I would agree with that from watching y'all's content. But what do you think, particularly for you, Noah, mm -hmm. because you said that at first or in general, you would describe yourself as a bit socially awkward. Yeah and uh, not that comfortable, but what do you think was able to develop that comfortability? Is that a word? Comfortableness? Whatever. <laughs> um, for you, to where you could get behind a camera or a microphone now and you're fine with it. I think a lot of it is just experience and having the right mindset that this is just a camera. You can edit it, you can take out bits, and you're not, it's not like in front of a live audience where you don't get to try twice. This is just a camera and you have complete control right. over 
your image after it's taken and while you're acting in front of the camera. Gotcha. Now, for somebody who's trying to get started on YouTube, either they want to be a YouTuber or they just mm -hmm. want to make YouTube videos in general, what is the best advice that you think you can give them for developing that comfortableness in front of the camera? I know you said you've just done it enough to where you've, you've gotten mm -hmm. used to it, but so many people are afraid to start or apprehensive to start because of that same feeling of, okay, I don't like my voice or I feel mm -hmm. like I'm going to be weird or awkward in front of the camera. I would say just go for it because chances are in the beginning, hardly anyone is going to see your videos anyway. And so that beginning period on YouTube when you have next to no followers is a great time to experiment and to get comfortable doing what you do so that as you start growing your channel and your audience, you as a person and a personality on the camera also can grow and develop. I'd add one thing in here too. When you film your first videos, sometimes just to get that uh, verification that, oh, you know what? My voice doesn't sound terrible or, oh, this doesn't look terrible. Show it to some people that, you know, like some friends and tell them to be honest about it be like, review this. Would you yeah. watch something like this? And that, you know, it can be a little nerve wracking at first because you're opening it up to judgment, you know, your content. But once you take that step to open it up to that judgment, it's with people, you know, you trust, hopefully they're not going to be nasty about it. <laughs> if they are nasty, right, why are right. they your friends? Um, and that can really build your confidence because you can see those people say, oh, I like this. You know, here are a few things you need to improve. But no, your voice is fine on the recording. Your face looks fine on the video. You're good to post this. Um, so I think right. that can definitely help out, too. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And something that I think you said that some people could take the wrong way, uh, Noah, mm -hmm. but is extremely awesome advice is the first few videos that you post are not going to be popular videos gonna you're go hardly going to have any viewers they're not going to go viral. right but don't take that personally it's not like you suck so nobody's going to see your videos right. it's literally an opportunity mm -hmm. while you're growing your channel or while you're growing your presence to practice then you can always go back and redo those videos once you're more comfortable but the only mm -hmm. way you're going to get comfortable is by doing it by doing that practice it's almost like you know learning something on a course yeah. or in school or something like that. You learn it and you get great at the knowledge of it and the information, mm -hmm. but that practice is what's going to make right. you proficient at it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, oh, no, that's fine. I was just going to expand even further on what Leaf is saying. A lot of people aren't going to be thinking about your face or your appearance or your voice as they're watching the video. They're going to be thinking, right. they're going to be thinking about what you say and the content that's in the video. They're not going to think, this person is ugly. Why am I watching them? No, they're going to think, man, this content is awesome and this person just needs more refinement. Maybe in some cases when people are just having a bad day, they won't think that and they'll give you a hate comment, but that's just one person and you're not going to be able to please everybody. Facts. And another thing too, if you showcase your talent that you have, people are going to recognize the talent. Right. They're going to recognize the value that you're providing and they're going to be like, okay, maybe he's not Mr. Beast yet, or he's not at some level of just being extremely comfortable in front of something, but he has great talent. He has great value. I'm going to listen and I'm going to be one of the first ones that's watching him grow mm -hmm. or her. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what some people have even said on our channel. They've commented, man, you are going places and I'm excited to be one of the first here to watch you grow on your journey. And that has just been incredibly encouraging for me. And has, is one of the things that has kept me going, even though after almost three years, we don't even have 200 subscribers. I can attest to that too, y'all. You 
really have extreme talent, especially for your ages. And I'm not saying that to demean you in any way by any means, because I think it's super cool that at your ages, you're providing such quality content, A, that you know, have the knowledge of such all the camera gear of the video editing skills that you talk about, and you're able to practice it, apply it and share it with others. That's incredible. So on that note, how old are you guys? I am 16 and 16 years old. And I am 18. About a month ago, I turned 18. So yeah, 16 and 18. That's incredible. And uh, something that I know I've told you guys this before, when I was that age and a little bit younger, I wanted to do the same thing. I was editing videos, making short films and things like that. And I wanted to share it with other people online. But that same thing that I was talking about at the beginning of the show, where you're apprehensive about putting yourself out there because of what people may or may not think. Mm -hmm. That was my stumbling block. And that's why I think it's so important that people take the advice that you gave at the beginning and just do something and perfect your skills as you go. Put yourself out there. Those first steps are what's going to be the driving force to make you better. Yeah. And especially when you're younger, every age, you know, if you're 14 years old, doesn't matter. You can be really young. If you're younger, you have more time to put into this, more time to devote to it because you, if you're still in school, you don't have a job, you don't have the same number of responsibilities. And so you can push a ton of time into learning everything and you don't have to get that return on investment right away like you would if you are older. And so that allows you to learn and really progress without having to compromise, uh, you know, having to be super stressed because you have to keep up with a job and, you know, your mortgage and car payments, whatever it is. When you're younger, it's a lot easier to get into this field. But that's not to say that someone who's older and has a family and a full-time job can't get into a field like this if they want to do it. Everyone needs some way to channel their inner creativity, even if it is subtle and obscure. And so if you don't have that, I encourage you to go find it. But, But any age can do that, whether you're 99 or 9. Exactly. What is your view on creativity? Do you think it's something that somebody is born with or something that everybody has? I think it's something everybody has. Um, and for a while, I would have told you that I am not a creative person. Even, even just two years ago, I would have said I'm not a creative person. But recently, I have begun to realize that this photo and video work that I'm doing is creative. And that's just my way of showing my creativity. I can't draw, paint, sculpt, dance, anything. Um, hey, that's a lie. You can dance. Uh, I, I <laughs> agree with you. Couldn't um, you dance classes aside? Um, everyone has creativity and they just need to find their preferred way to express it. Oh, I totally agree with what he just said. Because uh, I see people say, oh, I'm not creative. And then I'm like, well, you're just singing on pitch perfectly to that song that you know, you're listening to in your AirPods. And I'm like, that is, that's an artistic side to you, you know, singing, um, writing, everybody has it there writing. Yeah. Writing, whatever it is. Oftentimes you can, with our passions, we, you know, something you're passionate about, you'll end up putting your creativity towards that. And sometimes people just don't notice it because they're in some field that doesn't really seem creative, but 
it's there. Exactly. That's exactly right. What do you think is the benefit of having a creative outlet? Because A, we've, we've said that everybody has at least the potential to have that creativity or to, to show that creativity. I think everybody is a creative person, whether they realize it or not. It's just a muscle that you have to exercise. So what is the benefit and why should everybody pursue some sort of creative outlet? I would say because it is an, it, it is enjoyable and it gives you something to be proud of. You can look at your creation, whatever it is, whether it's a dance you choreographed, whether it's a story you've written, a short film you've made, a photo you've taken, anything, and you can say, I did that. Even if in four years you look back at it and you think it's terrible, you still did it then and you have to improve somehow, as we've been saying. Yeah, and having a creative outlet allows for de-stressing. Like, you have some soul-crushing nine-to-five job. Having that creative outlet allows you to de-stress. It allows you to think outside the box and add happiness to your life. Even with school, like school is super, for some people, is super stressful. And having a creative outlet really helps. Um, I'm one of those people. Having some sort of creative outlet is very important for me during school. And so I try to maintain that because I know if I'm not creative, I will, you know, get more stressed and I'll perform worse in school. So that's, those are my few words on that. Also, I would say that having some type of creative outlet is something that you get to do for yourself and you get control over. In a nine to five office job, you, you always have someone telling you what paperwork to do, whatever, whatever. You don't get to do anything for yourself and you don't have control over everything because you have someone telling you what to right, do and right. how to do it. In a creative field, no matter what it is, you get to do it for you and you get to have control over it. That's incredible. I agree whole, 100% with everything that y'all just said because I know in my life, the benefits of having that creative outlet was A, I'm able to release stress. Like if if I'm upset about something or had a problem with something, I can make a song or make some music about it and co- sort of release that into the song and it'll help alleviate whatever's going on in my head. It's something that you have that you did that you can look at and say, okay, I did this. And it also can help to help you to express yourself, express your emotions, express everything else. And that's my take on it. Yeah. So we've kind of talked about some of the objections that people might have. A, they're not a creative person, which is not true. You are creative. B, they're apprehensive to get in front of a microphone or a camera, which is something that if you want to do, if it's something that you want to pursue, you have to do it. You got to take those first steps. So- as a video or a, excuse me, a filmmaker, what are the first steps, like actionable steps that they would need to take if they say, okay, I'm ready to do this. I am ready to take those first steps. I'm ready to get in front of the camera, the microphone, whatever it might be. What are the first concrete actions that they can take? And I think this is y'all's area of expertise here as far as maybe any gear that they might need to get, the first steps that they might need to take, software, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. No, you take photography. Yeah, yep. so okay. for photography, it's as simple as pulling your phone out of your pocket, going outside, finding Bam. something that catches your eyes, and tapping the screen to take a photo. That is it. At the start, you don't need any special equipment. You don't need any special software. That can all come later down the road if you decide that you love taking photos. Smartphone cameras are so good nowadays, even if they don't look professional. They are so good that 
All you need to do is take it out of your pocket and press a button. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and with video, it can be, it's a little more complicated because video is a little bit harder. You know, it's a series of photos. But again, pretty simple. You can film on your phone. Again, we have, everybody has one, most likely. And they have a camera and you can record video on it. So take out your smartphone and think of an idea. Like, what, do you, what interests you? Do you like telling stories? You know, if you like telling stories, then take one of those stories and tell it through video instead of words. Say if you like filming action, you know, you like filming somebody snowboarding, filming somebody, you know, longboarding, whatever it is, start doing it. And it doesn't have to be good. Take the first few shots. They can be static shots. You can set your phone on something and just take a video of somebody, you know, longboarding down the road, whatever it is. And it's these first few videos that you take, you can look at and be like, okay, now when I go to YouTube and I watch, you know, the GoPro videos, those shots look so cool. So how can I adjust my, my camera angle, my movement in my camera to look more like these professionally done videos? And the more you practice, the easier it becomes to replicate these professionally done videos. And I will say when you're beginning, I would say try to replicate. And I know people will say avoid replication. It's just taking somebody else's idea and then trying to make it your own. But when you're just starting out, definitely focus on replicating, finding somebody you say that you love their video content, finding somebody that is an inspiration and try to replicate that. And through that, you will find your nice. own style because as you get better, you'll figure out, you know what? I kind of like this. I'm going to add a little artistic flair here by rotating the camera at the end or whatever it is. To recap, grab your phone, figure out something you'd enjoy filming and try to replicate somebody who is good at it already. Look at what they have made and try to make it. Those are my words of advice there. Also, I would add to all this, whether it's for photo, video, or really anything else. For someone who doesn't know where to start, go around and try to find a story. Whether you make it up out of objects you see every day, whether it's a story from your own life, whatever. Find a story and capture that story in a photo, video, or whatever else your creative outlet is. And this can be especially hard for photography because it is one single frame, whereas video, you obviously have multiple frames and audio to work with. So sometimes it can seem a little bit easier. But everyone has heard the saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. And this is really, really nice, true. Yeah. And this is something that I'm still struggling with, finding the stories in my photos. But they are there and you just have to figure it out. Especially with portrait photography, actually, I find that this is much easier to implement than some other genres of photography, but it's there in all of them. No, yeah, finding a story, and it, it doesn't have to be a complex story. So when I started out making videos, I almost strictly did stop motion with Legos. And so I, for example, I did one where I... Explain what stop motion is real, real quick, okay. because I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if everybody's going to understand yeah, what that yeah. is. <laughs> so stop motion is when you have a doll or something you can pose and you take a something photo of it. In a, yeah, it's inanimate. Yeah. You take a photo of it 
and then you move it slightly and take another photo of it and then move it again, take a photo. And when you string all those photos together, it, uh, you know, your inanimate object becomes animate because through all those movements, it's now walking or falling. It's moving in the image, um, in your video. Right. And so it's just a series of photos of an object moving. And I would do this with Legos. And one of my earliest stop motions was called uh, Robber's Escape. I named it that. And all it was okay. is a Lego bandit breaking out of a prison and running, grabbing a car and driving away. And a police car drives after him and then he crashes and the police cops. I remember him. That's this. it. I remember <laughs> that. That is literally it. It oh, is wow. so simple, but it allowed me to improve my skills in stop motion and also storytelling because we have to take these baby steps at the beginning and it feels so slow and you look back at it and you think, wow, that's super simple. But no, that stuff really does help. Those baby steps are yeah. important. You can't run before you can walk. Uh, and so make sure you know how to walk when you're getting into video. And so video doesn't have to be what we commonly think of as video, you know, taking a film, you can do stop motion. You can string a series of still photos together that tell a story because each photo yeah. can tell a story. Look at comics, for example, that's a string of photos telling a story. And so yeah. you could create your own comics and that could lead into the improvement in your videos. They do that professionally. Every movie it has called what is a storyboard. And that basically right. is a series of images of what the shots are going to look like and what's going to be happening in each shot. And it's drawn out. It's a, you can either draw it, you can take photos for this, but a series of still lifes can also help you improve your video skills. Nice. And that's something that you were saying about story. Story is so important. And it's something that's widely overlooked in A, in photography, and even in video, sadly. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I had to learn sort of over time because I was more of a technical person. And I liked messing with the equipment. I liked messing with the gear. I liked messing with the cameras. Mm -hmm. And uh, the story part of it, or rather the importance of the story, came later. I used to write stories, but as far as implementing painting pictures in people's minds from still photography and video came later. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Andrew Price from uh, Blender Guru. He uh, he does uh, Blender tutorials. I don't think I am, and, uh, actually. That's, that's okay. Check him out if you're interested in anything 3D and stuff like that. But uh, he was talking about 3D interior design, uh, architectural renders and things like that. And he said something that he does that has improved his architectural renders, interior specifically, more than anything is he thinks of a story, even if it's just a short, silly story, before he makes the, the room or whatever it is. So he might want to make a, a chair, a nice-looking chair next to a window. Well, why is that chair next to the window? Well, there's an old man who likes to sit here at this chair and read, a, read the newspaper next to the window with his cup of coffee. So now you have more of a visual... You have a reason for everything to be there, and you can start making the image based on that story that you've built in your head. Mm -hmm. And that might not even be a story that you share with the audience, but that story comes through with the image now. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's the same thing with photography. You can create those stories, even small stories in your mind, to explain certain scenes, and then you'll be shaping that photography or that video to fit that story, and it'll come through in your work. 
Yeah. And it'll improve it drastically. Yeah, and I just want to point out that any type of creative outlet, no matter what it is, has a story behind it. I'll take music as an example. Even instrumental music gives you feelings and has a feeling itself and may speed up and get more yeah. intense and then slow down and get more pensive. And then when you add lyrics to it, this story, while it may not be obvious and may be cryptic almost, it's there. Mm-hmm. Now, I know y'all know who Hans Zimmer is, of course. He's a, a music composer specifically for movies. He scores films. And he did a masterclass a couple years back about scoring films. And that's exactly what he said that stuck out to me. He's like, music it's a conversation. And he played a little on the keyboard. He's like, that's a question. That's the answer. And, you know, it was, it was so cool the way he said that, because when people make music, a lot of times they don't think about it as a story, as a conversation. They're just thinking of what chord to go to the next to, mm-hmm. to sound great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of times why so much pop music nowadays sound bl- sounds bland. Right. Cause it doesn't because, have a story. Exactly. Even in the music itself. Sure, the lyrics is one side, but the music mm-hmm. is also a story in itself. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I will listen to music in other languages that I don't understand. Although I'm starting to understand Spanish now since I've been listening to so much Spanish music that it's I'm kind nice, of understanding nice. it now. But I listen to music that I don't understand the vocals of so that I can just hear it as just a series of sounds. My mind isn't connecting meaning to these Uh, sounds right away so I kind of it provokes certain emotions when you listen to it that way as you said you can really start to hear emotions that are that the artist is trying to get across in more than just the vocals and so as you said there is quite a bit of music out there modern pop music that just would be terrible to listen to in this way uh, if you don't understand the vocals but there is so much music out there. I've been kind of getting into a lot of old French music, like really old French music from forties, fifties. And the music is amazing. I even was listening to some Chinese music from the seventies and very interesting. The, you can hear so much emotion in just this music and you don't need to understand the lyrics. And that's what, that's why I do it. I can just really focus on the sounds rather than the words. That's super cool. Are either of you, or are, are y'all musicians as well? Mm, I do some guitar and sing, but other than that, not a lot. I okay. sing, and I have started playing the harmonica. And, you know, I'm not great on the harmonica. I'm not going to tell any lies here, you know, but okay. uh, <laughs> I, I've started. And I can play, uh, let's see, I can play Piano Man and... Soviet national anthem because that's really easy to play, and uh, <laughs> working on some Queen songs here. Nice, nice. But. Okay, then that's just a little side tangent, but something that I've noticed that I, I talk about a lot mm-hmm. on the show and uh, in general is how I think music and video, audio and visual, mm-hmm. go together so well in a creative person's mind. And I think it's kind of silly to separate those two as two separate subjects. Sure, learn them separately, but they need to be intertwined in your mind. And that's that's just a side tangent. But getting back on topic a little bit. You're taking your first steps. You've gotten past the little roadblocks of insecurities that you might have. You're putting forth your creative energy and you're using your phone. You're taking pictures. You're making little short videos. You're trying to express yourself. What are the next steps that people can take to start out? Um, Noah, do you want to talk about gear here or? 
Well, I don't think that the next steps would necessarily be gear for either of these. I think it would be learning techniques and some of the terms in the industry, like uh, for photography or video, uh, composition, different camera settings, lighting. Lightings are super, super important one. Mm -hmm. um, and all those things can drastically improve your photos and videos before you even get more gear. Just like we nice. say... Um, in our course and in a lot of the videos, it usually is not down to the gear you have, but rather how you use it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why anyone, even if you just have a smartphone, can purchase our course and make great YouTube videos. <laughs> Shameless, <laughs> Shameless plug, <laughs> man. Shameless. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. It. No, that's uh, that is so true. You can. You don't have to have anything great. I watched mm -hmm. a full feature film, feature length film that was created mm -hmm. by one of my, somebody I follow on YouTube is a filmmaker and he shot the whole thing on a Canon Rebel T3i or something like that. Now he invested seven years of his life into this film um, and it's actually a true story. I'll... I, I can't remember the name. As we go on, I'm going to look up the name and I'll mention it here at some point. But he used the bare minimum of equipment. And it was super cheap. Uh, like the, all the equipment was very cheap. But he created this film that was amazing. I watched it and it was really emotional. You know, I, I was right there. And it, it was one of the few films I've watched and been sucked right into it because from look, you know, when you study filming so much, when I watch a movie, especially the cookie cutter Marvel movies, I think, oh, they were using a, some sort of crane here. Oh, they must have been using blah, blah, blah to get this shot. Oh, this is a unique shot. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you can make a film that sucks me in and I'm not thinking about how it was created, but I'm really immersed in the story. I really appreciate that. And this film, I got to get the name, is a perfect example because I was sucked into it and all he used were some cheap cameras. And I thought that was incredible. Nice. Very nice. Now, uh, I kind of pushed the, the the issue of those, those next steps and I was, I knew y'all weren't going to say gear, but I pushed that because so many people feel like that's what they need to do is go out and buy all of the gear, mm -hmm. which is so not true. And I can't emphasize that enough. And mm -hmm. I think I've emphasized this in all three of my last episodes, but it's so true. You don't need to just go out and buy gear. The, the next thing you need to do, like you said, is learn techniques, mm -hmm. learn skills, and then it won't matter what gear you have. You'll be mm -hmm. able to use those skills and techniques and make killer work. If by that point you love photography or filmmaking or whatever so much and you have the money to spare, then sure, go ahead, do some research, buy some gear. It's not going to hurt unless you decide it's a bad investment that you made, but it's just not necessary. Mm -hmm. I definitely think I am a victim of the, I need more gear to get my final product you know, to look better. I definitely, oh, yeah, it's very I, I bought gear that I did not need. You know, I have a two and a half thousand dollar camera set up right next to me. Do I need that? No. Do I want that? Yes. <laughs> uh, and so <laughs> yeah, it can be well, very, very tempting. But once you're 
really into it and you're getting good at it, definitely invest in some premium gear because I wouldn't say that gear is, you know, gear is bad because it no, shuts no, no, down no, your creativity. Mean. No, it's bad in the beginning to only focus on gear. But once you've really matured your skills, mm-hmm. it can help you become more efficient and allow you to be a little more creative with what you do. Because as technology yeah. improves, it allows us to mm-hmm. show our show off our talents. And so, right. yes, shooting on a 35 millimeter film camera can really hone in your photography skills. But then when it comes to the practical side of things, it's not very practical when you're getting paid to shoot a wedding. <laughs> um, and yeah, so in having right. that high end mirrorless camera, such as, you know, like Noah's camera, that can, well, that doesn't need to be purchased at the beginning. It can help you out later down the road. Mm-hmm. But don't get and stuck like purchasing out, it first. I'd like to point out here that um, Leaf and I are kind of flouting how much gear we have, but we do photo and video like professionally. We get paid to do it. And so we've gotten this money and been able to invest it back in our craft by getting these better tools. And that's right. the second thing I want to say is that these are just tools for your craft. And that's why that's why you don't need the most expensive ones. And to explain this a bit more, let me use an analogy. Say you are building a shed or something, and you don't have uh-huh. a hammer. Or you have a really old hammer that your grandfather used that is, you know, not the best. It's kind of light and doesn't pound in the nails very well. That can still pound in the nails, even if it takes a little bit more work. A more expensive, better, heavier hammer may be able to pound in those nails more quickly, but it also requires building muscle in your wrist and arm to be able to use that heavier hammer and pound in those nails more quickly. And so applying applying this to cameras, you have a smartphone, and that would be the light hammer that it may be a bit harder to pound in the nails and take a little bit more time, but if you immediately buy a $4,000 camera, you might not have the muscles for that heavy hammer in order to swing it and pound in the nails. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And let me talk a little bit about gear because the importance of learning techniques and styles, honing those skills first, why that's so important is because then that will guide you as to what gear you need to buy. Mm-hmm. Going back to your, your hammer analogy, If I knew nothing about constructing, nothing about carpentry, nothing about hammers and tools, I know, okay, I need to hammer nails in. So I go to the store. I think I need a hammer. So I pick up a sledgehammer or I pick up a upholstery hammer or some kind of hammer because I want hammers and I see these cool hammers. Or a ball peen hammer. That's kind of what it's... (laughs) Exactly. Or a rubber mallet or something like that. Because that's what going into this without having that skill and technique is like first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you come back with a four pound sledgehammer trying to pound in two penny nails you're gonna have a disaster (laughs) you know and you're gonna just throw your hands up and be like i'm not great at building sheds i suck and you're just gonna give up you know you're gonna get yourself in a crazy situation so it's great to focus on story focus on technique focus on what you like and try to imitate those things and then when you build those skills up you'll say okay i want to be able to create something that has this kind of depth of field or this sort of look Mm -hmm. or this sort of feel. I know what I want. Now, how do I get that? Okay, I need this specific piece of gear in order to achieve that look or in order to achieve this sound or 
this sort of uh photography style mm-hmm. you'll be you won't be making blind shots in the dark and you'll be saving yourself a lot of money and you'll be saving yourself a lot of frustration mm-hmm. by doing it that way that's why it's so important to uh learn those skills and techniques first you can have a two thousand dollar camera and make a horrible video <laughs> yeah. yeah very <laughs> easily so yeah i mean you can even see some movies that are just they were they had amazing equipment but the story just wasn't well thought out and it just it didn't work out for that same reason. The Star Wars um prequels. Anybody yeah. else agree with me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's very, very true. If you don't know the equipment and you don't know it's you can't utilize its potential, then why are you using that equipment? Exactly. Um, and you can Hey, I'm going to I'm going to throw in a little bit of history nerd here. Go ahead. So, I'm I'm actually a history nerd too. I I'm going to have a historical reference here. When we whenever humans create some new great technology, we kind of flounder a bit every time we do it because we're like, "Wow, we can do everything <laughs> with this, but oh, what do we do with it now?" Cuz like <laughs> we have yeah. this great potential, but now we don't know exactly how to utilize it the best to, you know, further the human existence. Exactly. And it takes some time to learn so we, it. So we default to killing each other yes. with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so instead of getting yourself into that muck of not knowing how to use it, how to use the full potential of your equipment, just don't get it. It's that simple. Use your smartphone yeah. and start with that. You can shoot a feature film on a smartphone. It has been done many times, and yeah. that's all you need. Exactly. Okay, so someone's like, okay, stop telling me this. I get it. I don't need to buy expensive gear. I need to focus on honing my skills and techniques. What are the skills and techniques that somebody should focus on honing? I know. You want to start? That's a, that's a little bit of a complicated question because there are lots and lots and lots of different skills and techniques required for different genres of photography or video or this and that. That's true. And so I would say that there are obvious fundamental ones like lighting and composition that applies to any video or any photo. Um, Same with storytelling. Beyond that, I think it's going to be a little bit up to you, listener, and what your genre is. And as you research your craft and look up tutorials on YouTube, you're going to find these different skills and techniques mentioned and explained, and you'll just have to kind of work it out for yourself. Even if you have a dedicated instructor, they don't always have all the answers, which I don't want to, I don't want to diss on instructors here because I think everyone needs some kind of mentor, at least a person to look up to. But everybody is different and they have these different techniques and styles that they like to use or that they have in their repertoire or whatever. That's that's very so true. So with, you know, honing your skills and techniques, the most important thing you can do is find, go out there and search for those who have the knowledge, whether that be on I YouTube. Instructors. Yeah, some sort right. of instructor. As Noah said, they don't have all the answers because you, because as a creative, you are going to express yourself uh, uniquely, but you do need to find some sort of instructor in the beginning. And that can be YouTube. That can be a person, you know, 
it doesn't matter. You need just find some sort of instructor and ask questions, uh, see what the instructor has to say, and try to learn from that. Because sometimes people have a hard time critiquing their own work and learning mm-hmm. from what other people say. So it's very important to listen to what other people say, listening to learn rather than listening just to respond. You know, if you listen to just respond, mm-hmm. then you're nice. not going to learn anything. Nice. Mm-hmm. Right. It just becomes a weird argument with you and somebody on a computer who's not even trying to argue with exactly. you. Exactly. And I think to continue growing your skills beyond just looking up tutorials and learning different techniques is to do three things we've kind of at least briefly mentioned. So one of those is experiment, because sure, you can follow these tutorials exactly, but if you follow the exact method every time you take a photo, you're going to get kind of, it's going to repeat itself. Yeah. The other thing you can do is ask for feedback show your photos, videos, or whatever to people and say, hey, you give me your honest opinion about this. What do you think I can improve? What do you like? What do you don't like? Feel free to be critical because you need, you need to have critique in order to learn. And the other thing you can do is, like Lee said earlier, try to replicate photos or videos that you think are amazing and try to break down the different techniques and lighting and settings and composition that they used in those shots to get something similar so that when you go out just for fun or to shoot something professionally or whatever, you have those styles and techniques in the back of your head that you learned from replicating. I just want to add to that. When you replicate something, you have to learn all the components that go into it. And when you learn all the Mm -hmm. individual components, you break it down to a point where now you know exactly how it was made. And so when you take your photo, any time, like of anything, you can think, well, I liked this certain component of somebody's photo. So I'm going to involve that part of it into my photo I'm taking here, but you don't have to involve everything. And so that can help you out in photography too. Nice. Nice. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Y'all talked about finding educators, finding people who you can quote unquote copy what they're doing in order to implement it into your work and create your own style. Who are some of y'all's inspirations or people that you saw that you said, I like their work or I like learning from these people? For me, for me, it's largely been a mishmash of individual photos and videos. But there are some people who I look up to in the photo or video realm, such as uh, Gerald Undone, DSLR Video Shooter. These are YouTube channels. And a lot of the time they're just making gear reviews or explanations or whatever, but there's still images involved in that, and I can appreciate their lighting, their setup, their style. And so a lot of times I take my inspiration from people like them because that's sort of the videos that we try to, that's a style of videos that we generally make on our channel. Mm-hmm. If I could say something real quick, that's another thing that I think what you just said, that's the style that we're trying to create on our channel. Okay, so you have to also find what style you're trying to go for. And then look to things that inspire that style, because otherwise you you have to kind of be going in a certain direction. But that's I just wanted to throw that yeah, in there. Yeah. I think that was a great point you made. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, some of the people I've looked up to, uh, Potato Jet YouTuber, Gerald Undone too, okay. very just a knowledgeable guy. 
Oh, um, make art now. The YouTube channel Make Art Now. He make does art now, yes. Crazy lighting and stuff. I love his videos. Yeah, and that's make period art period now period. Yeah. By yeah. the way, and uh, <laughs> I know Noah's gonna disagree with this one, but uh, Sawyer Hart. Well, he doesn't like this channel. Sawyer Hartman. No. Um, big inspiration for me. Photos and I think he makes great photos and videos. I just don't enjoy watching them just because they aren't for me really. Now, yeah. I think he's a great and another, photographer and videographer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brandon Washington, another filmmaker. Darius Britt, that's the guy I was talking about previously who uh, did that movie. With the T3i. Yeah, with the T3i. And then one that you're going to, it's going to be a little bit weird, you know, not a f- filmmaker per se, but uh, Colin Furs. I don't know if you know who that is. For anybody who doesn't know, British YouTuber, and just make stuff like he's made a rocket propelled wheelchair and like jet propelled bike. And he made a real life flying bicycle. No joke. Okay. This guy makes some crazy stuff and he's not a filmmaker, but he shows his creativity on YouTube. And I love watching it. It was always just an inspiration to me. Nice. So you find these people that you like. And like you said, they don't have to be filmmakers specifically. They don't have to necessarily be doing exactly what you're doing, but you find, okay, I like that. I like the way this thing in this movie looked. And then you can do a Google search, how to make this thing in this movie. And then you'll have people explaining how to do that. Mm -hmm. You're literally copying those little bits and pieces that you like, and those elements will come together and create your style. We're already... At the freaking hour mark. That's crazy. (laughs) But in any case, if somebody's looking to get deeper, where can somebody go to learn the details of the things that they're trying to do? The basics, skills that they need to have, lighting, composition, a bit of storytelling. I know y'all have a course and I want y'all to talk about that as well. Where can people go to find these and how does your course fit into all this? YouTube is an amazing place where... Basically, everyone has put all of their knowledge into this platform, and you can look up anything. That's not entirely true, obviously, but YouTube has so much free knowledge, and unless you find yourself at a roadblock, like a major roadblock that YouTube just can't solve, then oftentimes I would not recommend buying instruction, whether that's in online courses or one-on-one consultations or anything. Just because there's so much you can do on YouTube and sure, these these places like online courses have their place. That's why we made one. And some people might need that convenience and that structure in order to learn better. But for a lot of people, I think YouTube is just fine. Mm -hmm. I I agree. And something real quick. It's the same thing with film school, too. Did either of you go to film school? No, no. I've hardly even taken college courses. I've taken some uh, at community college, but they haven't even been media related. I've taken a okay, and few that's... media courses at college, um, but just a few. Nice. That's the, the difference is you can learn so much online now mm-hmm. that I'm not going to say film school is bad. Right. Unnecessary, maybe, but not bad by any means. The difference in these things is they're conveniently packaged. Mm-hmm. You can network with people. Mm-hmm. You can you can meet people, you can use certain equipment that you might not have had the opportunity mm-hmm. to, to use otherwise. Mm-hmm. But that's what's that's the pros when it comes to film school specifically. But no, you do not need film school to make quality stuff. Mm-hmm. And I I stand by that one hundred percent. 
Some people might disagree. I agree. But I stand by that. I agree. Oh, I totally agree. Oh, okay. Cinecom. That was another YouTube channel we forgot to mention, Leaf. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are great. They yeah. are really great. Okay, so tell us about your course then. I, I, I enjoyed your course and I was highly impressed by the quality that was packed into your course. I've taken other courses before and yours, I have to say, was better. I've taken several other courses before that talk about how to go from start to finish, from recording to uploading your first videos. Y'all packed so much value and knowledge in that course that I would recommend it to anybody. Can you tell us about your course? I'm the presenter in it. Uh, it's a course aimed at improving your video quality. Uh, you know, whatever those videos might be posted on, whatever they might be used for, just improving that video quality. And we do talk, um, we do focus on YouTube videos here because we know that's what most people are probably going to be getting into. We basically go through step by step how to start from the beginning and everything you need to know to improve your video quality, your audio quality. We even touch on how to perform in front of a camera. We go really in depth into this stuff. And as you were saying before, you know, this information is out there on a place like YouTube. But what you will run into, I think, on YouTube is you look up how to improve my YouTube videos. How many results do you get? Probably like 30,000 videos are posted with right. something along that lines in the title. And they're all probably about 10 minutes long and they just don't have as much depth as you might need. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they, they... So one benefit of the course is definitely convenience. Oh, That's for very sure. much so because it's very convenient to have all this information packed into... How long is our course, Noah? Uh, it is just under three hours. So just under three hours. You're talking, we're, we're covering basically everything in the pre-production, production process, and post-production process. And so that convenience really is there. So that, that's personally why I really do like the whole online course uh, format, because it is convenient. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's, that's our course, I, all about video production. I would only purchase a course if it was obvious to me that it would help me overcome a roadblock, it would give me all the knowledge that I'm looking for in the course, and that it was organized and structured in a good way. And so that's what we tried to put in this course. So my, my role in the course is that I was the head writer, Leaf obviously was the co-writer, and I was also the editor for the course, and I guess you can say I was the co-director also. Um, and we got the idea for this course because... One of our friends from community, community College, Quinn Mooney, um, who is also starting a YouTube channel now that he's gone through this course also, um, when we first met him and we kind of got talking about how we were on YouTube and making these videos about YouTube production and photo production and video production in general, he, he sort of asked us, how do you create YouTube videos? He probably asked it differently or it was more in depth or whatever. but that gave me the idea for like a YouTube mini series of three videos where I can cover kind of all the different steps in the YouTube video production process. As I began writing it and I realized that I had to cover everything from settings to equipment to lighting, acting, audio, editing, um, uh, locations, uh, planning, and many more things. 
it turned it just kind of turned into a course and before i knew it i i was thinking of it as a course and so months later we finally finally released this course mm-hmm. and as leaf was saying it covers every step of the process equipment settings pre-production production and post-production which in case you don't know what those means that's basically before recording recording and after recording that's basically what pre-production production and post-production are yeah and that's that's literally idea generation what gear you need lighting editing uploading literally everything and mm-hmm. i'm saying that because I've, I've gone through the course yeah and so we had some people including you david go through this course for free so we can get feedback on it and actually um as a bit of a sneak peek I'm currently working on basically rewriting the whole course. We're planning a version two where we put even more in, we organize it even better. And I'm super excited. I think that the course right now is awesome. I'm super proud of it. And I love the feedback we've been getting. But I just decided, hey, I love this so much. Why not work on a version two already and try to make it even better? Mm-hmm. Going back to when we, you know, Noah had the first, the idea to do this, you know, I get a text from him and you know, we start conversing on this idea and then I come over and we, we started filming at nine in the morning and we didn't get done uh, the first day of shooting until like six, six thirty. And we hadn't filmed everything. It was a crazy day of filming. Right. And then even a couple weeks later, I was the one who recorded the uh, post-production lessons because I was a host on those just because of the platforms we use and the fact that we want to offer you free tools. Um, and so I'm more familiar with a free editor. So I was the one doing that. So it took several days of filming, even more days of editing, not to mention filming B-roll, um, oh, which we also gosh. put in the course, by the way. And B-roll is just shots that go over your main shot. And I took another two days, basically, to film that and then edit it. So we put a lot of hours into this, trying to make it the best we can. And I think it turned out really well. And yeah. apparently so do all the people we've shown it to. So, you know, that's great. And I just, you know, to make a point here, all this time we have put into it and yet, you know, Noah's still over here saying, we're going to make a new one. That is exactly how you should be thinking. You pour your time, you pour your life into something, but you can always put more in. There is always, you can always improve it. And so you shouldn't be, I don't kill yourself trying to reach that top. There's no top, (laughs) but you can always improve it and you should always try to improve it because we will. But don't let that need for perfection stop you from releasing Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because we we have. We wouldn't have released this course. Yes. And so you will always be driving for something better in your work. But just because you will improve does not mean you shouldn't release some work now. If you're a painter, you might think, well, my painting skills aren't that great. I'm not going to show it to people. So I'm not going to paint. Yeah, I'm not going to paint. You're, no, <laughs> you should paint and you should show it to people yeah. and they can. It doesn't matter how good it is because you know you will get better. And the only way you will get better is by releasing whatever it is, showing people exactly. your art. But don't be afraid exactly. to release something even though you know you're going to get better. I just want to explain a little bit more why we, made, why we made this course. Because when people see the price tag of $150, they may think, well, they may think a number of things. Like, these people are way too young for me to give them this money. They might not even have the knowledge I need. 
or that we only Before made you this, that, no, they're not. Or that we may have made this only for the money. But that is not the case. One of the reasons this is priced so high is because, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you here, we give away almost all of this information on our YouTube channel for free. It's just not structured in the same way, and you're going to have to do a little bit more work to find it. Uh, and it's not as well organized. It doesn't... It is not all meant to flow together. They're meant to be individual videos. And so this course is only for the people who feel like they need that structure, that flow, that organization, and that that extra step. And that's why we one of the reasons why we priced it higher, because not everybody needs that. So those who aren't willing to pay that price don't need that. Yes. Uh, that was exactly my next question. Who is this course for and who is it not for? And you answered it flawlessly. So incredible. If you If you feel like you need that extra convenience package then this course is definitely for you. Uh, just to expand if a little bit. you're not at that step yet, yeah. Right, yeah, just to Go expand ahead. on this a little bit more. Um, anyone who's making video, whether that's for YouTube, online courses, uh, short films even, can benefit from this course. And I think that we managed to make the course in such a way that it can benefit several different skill levels also. And so yes. someone who hasn't even picked up a camera basically can go through this course and understand a lot about cameras and lighting and all this, though they may need to go through it a little bit slower and practice a little bit more, where someone who's been doing video for a number of years can go through it and go through it more quickly, but also get just almost, if not more, out of it. Exactly. And another thing too, if you have this course and you don't have the money to buy some of the gear that they talk about, that's entirely fine too. And they show several mm -hmm. different price points and several different budgets. Yeah. So there's also that. But we you can say, okay, he's talking about a certain camera. I have my smartphone. I'm going to use mm -hmm. this for now until yeah. I'm ready to purchase that camera. So that's 100% okay. And we specifically okay. disclaim that you don't need any special equipment for this course. You can go through it with nothing but a smartphone and sure, 50 to $100 or even more if you want to purchase a, in quotes, real camera can benefit you. But if you just have a smartphone, you can still go through this course and practice composition, lighting, editing, and all this stuff that doesn't need any special equipment. Oh, and I would also just like to mention this course is called From Recording to Uploading. Um, I realized we hadn't said the name of it yet. So From Recording to <laughs> yeah. Uploading, um, it, it, that's just, that name is just meant to um, explain that this is for video people who want to know about every step of the process from recording to uploading to YouTube or your online course or whatever else it is. Incredible, incredible. Where can people go to find this course and the rest of your content? So currently, we don't have a special domain for the course. That's coming a little bit later. But for the rest of our free content, it's just youtube.com slash anything cameras. And on there, like I said, we basically give all of this knowledge and more away for free. And the course is just for those who want that extra step. Do y'all mind if I create a pretty link and just put it on my website that sends it to y'all? Yeah, that's fine. Um, okay. But for those who want the uh, link to the course directly in this podcast, it is anything-cameras.teachable.com slash YT production. Okay, so I definitely recommend that if you are at that stage in your uh, video making journey where you want that everything curated into one course where you can watch from the beginning and you can pretty much just outline step by step what you need to do and just follow a b c d e f g this is the course for you by all means 
Is there, do y'all have an Instagram, any social media accounts that people can follow you on to get more updates and things like that about your content? Um, mainly just YouTube. We aren't really active on Instagram and we only have Facebook for a private group of people who've gone through the course. And so that's just another benefit to the course is that you get that private Facebook group to interact with these people who are in the same boat as you. And also you get free downloads and stuff. So wonderful. Wonderful. This is, this is fantastic. It was really, really amazing having y'all on. I think y'all are doing incredible things. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Um, yeah, thank you. It's, it's been fun. Really, really, it definitely has. And yeah. I'm so impressed with y'all for doing literally what I wanted to do several years ago. And y'all are doing it and y'all are doing incredible at it. So keep, Thanks. keep, keep going. And I, I really mean that y'all will do great things if you keep going. And I'm definitely determined to keep going myself. And we could work together in the awesome. future for sure. Oh, yeah, that'd be that'd great. Be a lot of fun. So thanks so much for coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience before I let you go? Just keep grinding, man. Just keep grinding. <laughs> go, go out there and be creative. Yes, absolutely. Keep grinding. Go out there and be creative. Or rather, go out there and be creative and then keep grinding. Mm -hmm. Don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So thanks so much, y'all guys, for coming out or for coming on the show. It's a definite pleasure having y'all. Maybe we can come on in a future episode and talk about some of your music projects or uh, <laughs> anything else that y'all are working on in the future. That'd uh, be great. Be more than glad to reach out or I'll reach out to y'all. It'd be uh, incredible. And we'll talk again in the future. All righty. Yeah. Sounds good. Good right. Thank you so much. How about that, guys? Look at everything these guys have accomplished and are accomplishing. How old are you? Look to these guys for inspiration and take action. You don't have to be any certain age to reach for your goals. You don't have to be a certain age to approach your creative endeavors. Start now. You can find Noah and Leaf in their course. All the links are in the show notes at avpeers.com forward slash session five. You can find them everywhere at anything cameras. If you want to take their course, which I highly recommend, if you want that curated convenient guidance, then you can find it at avpeers.com forward slash anything cameras. That will take you to their course on Teachable. But that brings us to the end of this episode. If you're listening on the website down at the bottom of the page, there's a comments box. Leave a comment down there telling me what you learned about from this episode. And uh, leave a review on iTunes telling how much you love this podcast or that you hate it and want me to die in a fire. Either way, I still love you. And uh, until next time, I've been David Hawkins, and I can't wait to serve you in the next episode of the AV Peers podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the AV Peers audiovisual production podcast at www.avpeers.com.